Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot. And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. And hello, welcome in. Monday edition of the program. Glad to have you with us here on the Big X. Complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Getting closer to the start of college football and still no idea who the starting quarterback will be for Indiana. We'll talk about that coming up a little bit later in the program today. High school football, I think is you could say is underway. Scrimmages on Friday night, the final mark of the preseason. And now we enter today the final week of practice between now and Friday night lights when kickoffs happen around the area on Friday night. The big Charlestown Silver Creek, uh, it's the focus game this week. It's the big one right out of the gate, a rivalry game for both teams and kind of a fun way to kick off the 2022 season. And so we've got that to catch up on. And before we go any further, let me remind you that tonight we have a special two-hour program. It's actually going to be just over two hours from 7 till about 9.15 or so. It's all high school football here on the Big X. We have our annual kickoff day uh, to get to know all the coaches and the top players in the area and uh, going to be a lot of fun. So join us tonight from 7 to 9 p.m. I'm going to tweet out the lineup for the show, put it on social media here after this program, but we'll begin right at 7 o'clock with the 1A schools in the area, which new this year to the 1A classification is Providence, the football team, and Rock Creek, so we'll get started with those two programs. We'll work our way all the way from 2, 3, 4A, and close with the area's lone 6A team. That is Jeffersonville. They will be with us late in the 8 o'clock hour, and uh, we'll wrap things up at uh, eight, uh, about 9.15 tonight. So a two-plus hour, uh, we always call it a marathon-like program uh, to get you ready for high school football here in the area. It's uh, a good learning time for us that are going to cover uh, the sport. Josh Cook of the News and Tribune will be there with me to co-host, and he brings a lot of knowledge to the table as well. Uh, but it's also just interesting to hear, especially the week after the scrimmages, but before uh, the week one games. It's always interesting to hear what the coaches have to say. So join us tonight. And if for some reason you can't uh, listen in live uh, from 7 to 9 p.m., there will be a podcast of the show available that we'll upload later in the evening, and I'll send that out as well. So uh, it's always one of our more popular broadcasts of the year, that and the basketball preview shows. And so uh, look forward to getting that uh, done tonight, and this should be a lot of fun. Hope you'll join us here on the Big X. Uh, let's look at the show lineup for today's show, uh, a service of Honey Baked Tam in New Albany. Segment one coming up here in just a few moments. We'll have a look at news and notes coming out of the weekend. 
some stuff on IU football, some recruiting stuff as well, and uh, a few updates on former Hoosiers. Devontae Green, where is he at now? And then Stevie Scott uh, playing NFL football this season. He signed a contract, and so we'll catch up on all those things here in segment number one. Later in the hour, Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star, he will check in from Memorial Stadium. He is there for practice and a media availability session coming up a little bit later today, and so he's going to give us the, the latest from there, and we'll get into some basketball stuff with him as well. And then later in the hour, we always have a segment on Mondays dedicated to local sports with Chad Gilbert, the Charlestown High School Athletic Director. Chad, also a member of the IHSA Executive Board, he's going to join us as we talk about getting ready for the start of high school football and uh, some other local things as well. So that's the lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. And the Thornton's text line, here's your reminder on that. Uh, the number is 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. And with that said, uh, it's Summer Cash Bash at Thornton's. Each week, one lucky Refreshing Rewards member will win $10,000 all summer long with a grand prize of a 2022 Chevy Tahoe. Simply open your Refreshing Rewards app and click on the Summer Cash Bash icon to enter. And that's not all. You can earn additional entries by purchasing select top brands like Mountain Dew 20-ounce bottles, hot dogs, Bud Light 12-packs, large Doritos, and many more using your refreshing rewards card. It's Summer Thornton's it's Thornton Summer Cash Bash, not a refreshing rewards member. Text rewards to 80313 today. That's rewards to 80313 today. Let's get into our headlines for today. A number of things that I want to cover. First, some IU football stuff. The team had a scrimmage uh, over the weekend and uh, still no update on who the starting quarterback is. We believe it's between two folks, Jack Tuttle, a redshirt senior, and Connor Basilak, a redshirt junior. But both Coach Allen and offensive coordinator Walt Bell have said when they've met with the media that they like what they've seen from a redshirt sophomore whose name is Dexter, Dexter Williams. So it's really a three-horse race, but we think it's down to two, and there's really no way to know at this point uh, whether it's going to be Basilak or Tuttle. A lot of people on this show seem to lean Basilak, whether they're right or wrong, I don't know. But I can tell you that Coach Allen made it clear last week that he is not planning to announce the starting quarterback. There's not a date where he's going to make a decision and tell the media. He's going to tell the team, and the coaches will know, obviously, but uh, there's not going to be any announcement before – there's not going to be any announcement before the uh, the start of the season where we're going to know who the, the starting quarterback is. So we do know that. So it probably could be suspenseful all the way to kick off of that Indiana-Illinois game. However, uh, maybe it'll leak out. Maybe there'll be some way we'll find out. But definitely, like Coach Allen has been all offseason with practices closed until recently, no spring game, uh, definitely uh, kind of taking things a little bit more private than what he has in the past with uh, with this uh, this year's team. There's no question about that. One other IU football note coming out of the scrimmage, uh, the Big Ten Network crew that did have access to the to the game uh, on Friday uh, had really good things to say about Dasan McCullough 
and there was some uh, question about what position exactly. He's such a talented player, but what position exactly he would play uh, on the team this season. It sounds like he's going to be a big-time defensive player uh, for IU this year, but uh, they were raving about him. So as we think about newcomers and new faces to mix in with others that we may remember from last year, uh, it sounds like Desan McCollin. No one should be surprised after the type of prospect he was in high school, uh, but uh, that no one should be surprised he's he's getting some high marks coming out of the preseason scrimmage. Also, a couple basketball things to mention. I don't know if this will be a big deal to traditional IU basketball fans or not. You know, when it comes to the uniform and when it comes to Assembly Hall and the court, uh, everything is so old school and traditional. And I think there's a lot of good in that. However, we're seeing things change in college sports and some of the traditions go out the door at a very rapid pace. But with that said, a new marking on the Assembly Hall court this season. Uh, in addition, there was a small marking, if I remember correct, for Branch McCracken Court. But now there also is going to be a marking on the court that says Simon Scott Assembly Hall. Of course, the Scott family, so much money, donations over the years and to this most recent renovation of Assembly Hall. So uh, that is going to be on the court. I know some IU fans panic when they uh, saw a picture uh, of the court with uh, some markings around it so things could dry on the court and so nobody would walk across it. Uh, that, you know, it's always been a tradition. There's been nothing at that part of the court, but uh, it's just where we're at. We're sponsors and donors and uh, different things are being marked on courts that you probably never thought you would ever see. But Simon Scott, Assembly Hall, definitely a marking now uh, on each, uh, I guess, maybe quarter part of the court as you uh, as, as, as you'll see it here very soon when basketball season begins. Uh, basketball recruiting, more good news for Indiana in the 2025 class because, you know, it's been pretty dry as far as commitments or news in 2023. But uh, Trent Sicily of Heritage Hills and Jalen Harrelson of Fishers, they were both on campus the very first days that they could be on campus. They both got out to multiple schools, but Indiana for Sicily was one of the first was the first school he hit, and for Harrelson, I think he was on day number two. Uh, but they're already going to be back. There, they've told folks they're going to be back for uh, Hoosier Hysteria, which that date is going to be October seven. Uh, so that that is good news. Both of those guys playing to planning to be on campus together again. I think it's remarkable that two big-time players in the state uh, visit your campus right out of the gate when they're first allowed to make unofficial visits, and they're already going to come back for another unofficial visit on their dime. And I know they're close, but they're already going to come back for another unofficial visit on October 7 before the regular season even begins. So I think that's good news to say early on at least Indiana is exactly where they need to be with two of these big-time in-state prospects that are also seeing their recruitment and just national ranking rise, uh, not just uh, locally, but across the Midwest and even the country. So good news there for Indiana. And there's been a report of a third visitor, and I think Hoosier Hysteria is going to have a lot of guys there, a lot of recruits there this year, uh, but Trey McKinney. He's from Michigan, uh, 2025 guard. He is going to be there uh, at Hoosier Hysteria as well. So three big names, three young guys 
that we know that will be at Hoosier Hysteria uh, this year. That's always been, no matter who the coach has been, a big opportunity to get players on campus. A lot of young players that will be there on unofficial visits uh, can check things out, and they get to hear from the fans and see how crazy and rabid the IU basketball fans are. And it sounds like this year could be as big as any when it comes to young recruits, given that Harrelson and Sicily are right here in the state and that they're already known as big-time, really must-get prospects if you're going to defend the Indiana state border. So big news there for Indiana basketball. Also, uh, some former IU Hoosiers, some notes, uh, Devontae Green, uh, is uh, now playing professional basketball over in Hungary. He signed a uh, contract over the weekend with a uh, team in Hungary's A division, so the top division there, and it will be his third season in basketball, professional hoops that is. Green played last year at uh, in a Greek league and uh, averaged just over eight points a game. So Devontae Green uh, with a professional opportunity in Hungary and on the football side, this came out last week, so uh, probably not big news to some of you, but Stevie Scott III of IU football, former Indiana running back, he signed with the Denver Broncos on Wednesday. He was a two-time second-team All-Big Ten player for IU. He had 30 touchdowns in his three seasons in Bloomington, and of course he'll join the Broncos' backfield now uh, coming out of the training camp, some of these preseason games underway. And uh, Stevie Scott will be an IU alumni with an uh, NFL opportunity uh, this upcoming season. That's a look at our headlines for this Monday, August 15th edition of the program. A couple reminders, if you missed the live show, you can always find us as a podcast. We're available on Apple Podcast and wherever you listen to podcasts. All you got to do is search for The Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison, and you'll find us there. And keep in mind, tonight our high school football preview show from 7 to 9.15 or so includes all eight area high school football playing schools. We'll be on the air at 7 o'clock. We'll have all the head coaches with us, and each head coach is going to bring two, three, four of their best players for the upcoming season. And so we look forward to hearing from a lot of the best for this upcoming year. Scrimmages on Friday night, so we've got that to talk about with the coaches as well. And the scrimmage is kind of an opportunity to get an early peek at things for uh, week one games coming up this Friday night. We'll head to a commercial break. We'll come back with IU football and basketball conversation with Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. You know, a basketball hero around here is treated like a god. I mean, I- Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back on this Monday program. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star, my guest. Zach joins us, I believe, from Memorial Stadium in Bloomington, where he's getting ready to meet with some of the IU coaches and players here in just a bit. Uh, But, Zach, I think the big IU football topic uh, remains 
the quarterback situation. And according to what you wrote and what Tom Allen said last week, it does not look like he has any plans to make an announcement about who the starting quarterback is leading up to the Illinois game. It sounds like for fans, at least, it's going to be something they learn right at kickoff. Yeah, that's that's sort of what I guess if you want to say he announced last week after um, Indiana's holding their their weekly sort of scrimmages, if you want to call them preseason games, on Friday because obviously they're building up to a Friday opener. Um, so they've kind of shifted their schedule to to really fit around that. And this would have been last Friday after the first of those those um, again, if you want to call it preseason games and in, inter squad games. Um, he basically just sort of told us that, you know, no decision has been made yet. The decision will probably be made fairly soon. I think it, it sounds like maybe no more than a week from now. I think he said he'd, he'd like to know kind of coming out of the second scrimmage, which will be this Friday. Um, and he'll know, his coaches will know, his team will know, and obviously his offense will know. Um, but it's not something he's going to announce. And, you know, whether you, <laughs> whether you like that or not, it, it certainly fits just kind of how behind the curtain Indiana has stayed this off season. They closed spring practice to the media. They didn't have a spring game. Um, we've been able to see a little bit more practice here this, this during fall camp, but it's still very sort of everybody's rotating. And, you know, if you're, if you're sitting there counting, it's, you know, Jack Tuttle with the ones, one series, Connor Basilak with the twos. And then the next time through Connor Basilak with the ones, Jack Tuttle with the twos. So, at least publicly, outwardly, no decisions have been made yet. And whenever one gets made, it is apparently something that is not going to be shared publicly um, until, as you said, you know, Indiana's offense trots out onto the field for its first series against Illinois on September 4th. Zach, I know we've discussed this back in the summer, but what exactly is your thought, your opinion on the secretness, the uh, undercoverness of this IU football program this offseason. Everything has been closed, at least it was in the spring. Uh, no spring game, a big uh, guessing game with the quarterback situation. This seems like a different Tom Allen this fall camp. Yeah, I mean, it, it's different really to I think I've ever seen Indiana handle this, especially the, the, the stuff maybe further back, like closing off, off spring practice and, you know, my – my guess and certainly my hope as a reporter is somebody who, who always wants, you know, that, that level of, of access, even just to have better context for what I'm writing about, not necessarily to know every little intricate detail about who's getting snaps where, but just to be able to contextualize what I'm writing about. My hope is that this is kind of a, um, you know, this is a, a one-time thing because there is, there has been so much change, new defense, well, new offense, kind of a maybe a, let's let's call it kind of a, a revamped defense you know questions about starting quarterback starting running back you know starting wide receivers etc um i wouldn't be surprised if this is you know kind of just something to fit this particular off season given where indiana was coming out of last year given what indiana has to work had to work through you know from basically the end of november all the way through to the start of august um, in terms of trying to triage and, and put right that 2021 season. Uh, but we'll see. You know, I mean, listen, there are, there are coaches out there that shut most of it down. You know, I mean, I'm always amused by the SEC programs that give reporters like 20 minutes of access at the beginning of practice, and that's essentially just time to watch stretching and jogging and maybe a handful of drills, and then they're kicked out again. It's sort of like, well, 
I feel like you feels like you're sort of just doing it to mock people at that point. <laughs> get out of it. So, um, I think you know my best guess is as time goes on, Indiana will revert a little bit more back to type of being one of those programs that tends to be pretty open in the spring. And you know, to be fair to Tom Allen, we have gotten what I would call pretty standard fall camp access. We've been allowed into a couple three practices a week. We aren't necessarily there for every single bit of it. But we do see, you know, some teamwork, a lot of drill work. We're able to kind of get an idea for, you know, did somebody switch positions? Is there an injury we need to ask about? You know, th- those those different kinds of things. Um, we do still have, you know, that's still pretty standard. So we already, I guess, in one sense have reverted to type um, of what Tom Allen's been pretty comfortable with in the past. It'll just obviously be interesting to see how it, it works going forward. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star, with us starting our conversation today on IU football. Uh, the scrimmage, uh, any takeaways from that? I know I read multiple things about Desan McCullough and uh, how much he was a standout on the defensive side of things. Uh, what are you getting from the scrimmage that took place over the weekend? I mean, I think we've, I think we've all expected for a while that Desan would be one of the guys that would be involved at linebacker. Indiana's going to look very different there this year in general. No, Micah McFadden, Cam Jones is back, and Aaron Casey, who is kind of, I guess if you want to say their third linebacker last year, is back. Um, but Micah McFadden's gone. Thomas Allen is done. Um, you know, they, they've brought in um, Jared Casey, who I don't think is any relation to Aaron Casey, uh, who is a Kentucky transfer. We, we're also seeing quite a bit of Desan McCullough rotating in there. Um, he's been on campus since January. And, and so I think he's going to be, you know, he's another one of those guys, you know, when you think about some of these freshmen, we might see a little bit more of, he's one of the ones that's going to have a leg up having gone through spring practice, then a full summer and now fall camp. I would be surprised if we don't see him. Um, he's still a freshman. I mean, you know, it, 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 I'm, I'm not going to tell you he's out there, you know, looking like LeVar Arrington or anything. Um, but I, I think we will see him. And I think, Frankly, and you know, it'd be hard to pin down an exact number, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see a fair few of these freshmen pretty early on. Number one, um, a lot of them enrolled early, not all of them, but I think about 75% of the class was here in January. So a lot of those guys have been through spring or uh, spring camp and then now fall camp. Number two, um, Indiana had a lot of roster turnover, and a fair bit of that was by design. I think a fair bit of the, the sort of you know, transfer exodus off the top end of the roster was was probably a little bit of sort of a mutual parting of ways of Indiana having to look at some guys and say, listen, um, you know, we don't we don't necessarily have the room long term to keep you for a, a fifth year, a sixth year, because we need to be able to to turn things over and get some some even numbers in our recruiting classes, and not have the roster be too top heavy or bottom heavy. If you understand what I'm saying, with you know either youth or experience. Um, but that means that there's probably going to be some room for some of those freshmen to step in. A guy like Desan McCullough, who maybe looks around and suddenly there's there's a couple, three, you know, familiar faces in that linebacker room that aren't there anymore, and you need somebody to step in, and that doesn't mean he's going to play 80 snaps a game, but it means there's going to be a role for him. And as the season goes on, if he stays healthy, maybe he can continue to kind of, you know, expand that role um, as he gets more and more comfortable and more and more experienced. So, I think he's going to be one of a number of freshmen that we see early and, and possibly a number of, one of a number of freshmen we see often this season. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star. Zach, I want to transition to basketball. I saw uh, a few photos of Assembly Hall, the court over the weekend. 
uh, that there's going to be a new couple markings for Simon Scott Assembly Hall. And we know how traditional uh, certain things are specifically around the basketball program. The uniforms come to mind, the court, the the setup of things there at the game. Um, fan, some fans, I think, were very protective of the, the court at Assembly Hall and the tr- tradition there. But I think if you look even with these new markings at Indiana's court compared to almost any other court, whether it comes to color schemes or design or sponsors or other markings for a court or a facility name, Indiana's still, I think, on the very conservative side of that. Yeah, I think that's, that's probably fair, and I think Indiana's going to remain that way. I mean, it, it, Indiana, as a, it, it's important to remember its university policy. Indiana is happy to take money for naming gifts, you know, like, for example, the Simon Scott family, um, or if you look at, you know, Wilkinson Hall, where volleyball and wrestling compete, obviously the baseball and softball field. Etc. And then, of course, go on campus. You know, you can you can find all sorts of um, you know buildings that were named for various people on campus. But um, the university does tend to shy away from like a lot of corporate naming, and and I think I think it's it's probably going to remain that way for a long time. You know, that there is there is a naming committee essentially within the university, and my understanding has always been that there is there is really very little appetite for for buildings of any kind to have corporate sponsorship. Now, you know, could that change long-term? I think the one way I could see it is if, for example, Indiana decided it needed to build a new basketball arena and would need to secure funding for that, that maybe you, you, you sort of, you know, bite your tongue and find your way toward accepting something like that. But I, I know what you mean by Indiana fans being pretty protective of tradition um, but I also agree with you that I think, you know, Indiana is still on the pretty conservative side of kind of bringing the corporate and commercial piece into it. Not that, listen, not that none of this has ever changed. The, you know, the press used to sit courtside. Those those advertising hoardings weren't there. And we can go on and on about the, the different things that have changed, the different logos that have popped up on the floor over time. But, um, you know, Indiana does, from a sort of commercial side of things, uh, you know, still kind of probably a little bit more on the conservative side in terms of bringing that into its branding and into like its its naming and the things that you can sort of see forward facing. Talking with Zach Osterman of the Indy Star, Zach, uh, basketball recruiting in this time of year is is one of the top things you think about in addition to the upcoming season. And, and I know recently our conversation have, have been about guys that are seniors, 2023 players, and Indiana. You know, it got some early success there with uh, with uh, Cups and Newton, but has has you know struck out recently with a number of guys that they have been in on. But it does seem early on in the twenty twenty five class, uh, Jalen Harrelson and Trent Sicily, uh, one from Fishers, the other from from Heritage Hills, getting a lot of love from Indiana, and they're reciprocating that because both of them were on unofficial visits earlier this month and are already committed to go back for Hoosier Hysteria on October 7. Uh, that That's a good sign early, I think, when you look at Mike Woodson uh, maybe squaring up for two big in-state guys, trying to keep them in here uh, and making some early progress with them. I think to have guys on your campus twice uh, between August and early October is a really good sign. Yeah, and I mean, you're right to say it is early with those guys, um, you know, and, and it's not like we've never seen guys commit that early, but it, it is, you know, fairly uncommon. And 
you know, I think you and I have reminisced before on the the, the, the James Blackman, Trey Lyle saga that obviously, you know, I think got Indiana fans understandably excited for a while, but ultimately had a lot more twists and turns in it before all was said and done. Um, that being said, you know, it, I mentioned this maybe last week or two weeks ago when we were talking about basketball recruiting. It, it has always sort of fascinated me that, um, that, you know, there was this perception that Mike Woodson was essentially, because he was from Indianapolis, he was an IU alum, et cetera, he was going to walk in and, and only want to recruit from Indiana, only want to recruit the Big Ten, all those kinds of things. We have the Big Ten footprint, the, you know, the Indianapolis area, et cetera. Um, sorry, someone, I'm, I'm hiding in like a back hallway here. Somebody's at the Ducks room <laughs> grab. Um, and the only in-state player that he has committed right now was one that was already committed to Indiana and recommitted to him, CJ Gunn. It, it's, it's kind of a, a point of saying Mike Woodson isn't just recruiting guys from Indiana because they're from Indiana. He's clearly being selective and being uh, willing to basically just say, if you're good enough, you know, if you fit what we need, if I like you, if my staff likes you, if there's a connection, that's, you know, we don't care if you're from Georgia or Ohio or wherever, we're going to recruit you. So then that should probably say a little something, you know, extra about how committed Indiana is to the idea that, that Cicely and Harrelson in particular are legitimate prospects. Because, again, you know, guys are young, and we've seen guys who are really well regarded early on in their high school careers that wind up kind of fading away. And I'm not saying either of these guys will, and I don't think anybody's really kind of putting that kind of pressure on them right now anyway. But it tells you, you know, when you've got, when, when Indiana is clearly willing to step outside of what we people would probably consider its comfort zone in recruiting to go for somebody like Jalen Shafino or Malik Renault or Jatai Newton or whoever, um, you know, the extent to which IU is really prioritizing those two players in particular, I think tells you what Indiana thinks of, of their future and their potential and their ability. And the, the response that it, it very much seems like, you know, from, from what you've said, their, their sort of public declarations, what they've said about their visits, you know, how they've responded to their visits and also just kind of what, I guess the chatter behind the scenes in terms of, you know, the, the impression it seems like Indiana made on them. Um, it, it does seem like that, you know, those relationships could get more serious, frankly, from a recruiting perspective. And again, I think we're probably a long way from, you know, resolution for those guys. And, and that's fine. We don't, you know, I mean, they've got two and a half, well, really three years of high school left. Um, there's, there's a lot that can happen and, and nobody should expect anybody to, to have to make up their mind, you know, before they're old enough to have a driver's license or whatever. But um, it is just interesting to me that, you know, those, those two in particular, there just seems to be such a strong sort of connection already in both directions um, for Indiana in 2025. Zach, this came up over the weekend uh, talking with a couple fans, and, and I thought I would pose the question to you. But from top to bottom, thinking about this IU team for the upcoming season, from top to bottom, is this IU's maybe most talented team and perhaps deepest team since when? Is it back to 12-13 season, or could – even go back further than that as far as talent on this roster? I mean, I, I don't think it's as good as 12-13, personally. Um, I mean, it's important to remember 12-13 had, like, what, I think three, four future NBA players on this roster, including two dudes that went in the lottery um, and are still playing now. I guess Cody Zeller may not have a team at the moment, but um, but obviously Victor Oladipo is still in the league. 
Um, and, and if you look at Zeller's career earnings, I think they've passed $100 million. He's, he's clearly had a very successful career. Um, I mean, certainly, at very least, I would say this is, you know, in terms of if you're talking about that, that blend that you need of, you know, depth, talent, experience, balance in the sense of, you know, not being too overloaded at one or two positions and, and under, you know, under strength at a couple of others. It's certainly at least up there with that that sort of 2015 to 2017 run that wins the Big Ten and then obviously, you know, kind of winds up sort of enduring a very disappointing season in 2016-17 and there's some injuries around that and some, some other factors, just a couple things where, you know, that 16-17 that team probably didn't have the point guard play it needed and some things like that. But, um, you know, it, it – it, this group is, I think, at least sort of as as deep and potentially balanced as that one. I think the one big difference between this one and that one, you know, thinking back in particular to 15-16, um, is the three-point shooting. That team had Colin Hartman, James Blackman Jr., Rob Johnson, um, you know, uh, Yogi Ferrell were all, Nick Zidlock, were all, you know, volume quality volume three-point shooters. And then you had guys like Troy Williams, Max Bielfeldt, OG Ananobi, who, you know, weren't going to shoot at volume, um, but could hit somewhere between sort of 31 and 30, you know, 38, 39% from three, um, and, and could therefore at least kind of be secondary options in that regard, keep a defense honest. Even Troy Williams, I think that season, I want to say shot 33 or 34% from behind the arc. Um, and when, you know, when he's basically your sixth or seventh most accurate three-point shooter, and then he obviously has all the other sort of tools that he had, that makes him a, a, a very good player. I think, um, I just think that, that this group needs that floor spacing to maybe measure up to that level. Um, and the flip side is, listen, I mean, people, you know, People probably forget because you, you, you tend to only remember the good stuff, but that team started very badly. It was defensively in, I think, the 150s in efficiency coming out of that Duke game, and there were a lot of people who believed pretty firmly that that was the beginning of the end for Tom Crean um, before, obviously, they, they win the Notre Dame game. They start turning some things around. They had, I think, a 7-0 start to Big Ten play, and it was a fairly fairly easy start, but they took advantage of it and kind of got got some momentum behind them. Um, my point is, it you know, it, it even a team that maybe I, I would probably say in hindsight I would guess is a little bit better than the one Indiana's got right now. That team started very poorly that season, and it took a while to really round into the team that we remember. You know, in, in terms of just how effective it was, how efficient it was offensively, um, and obviously how successful it wound up being. So. I think that there's probably some ways this team's a little bit better than that one. I think it's certainly better defensively. I think it's got more point guard depth, although that wasn't an issue for that team because Yogi Ferrell could have played 60 minutes a night if you needed him to. He was a, a remarkable athlete. Um, but it, it it is definitely the most, you know, the, the, the best blend of sort of talent, depth, experience, and balance that Indiana's had probably since the last time they won the Big Ten. I'm not saying they're going to win it this year, but I'm saying that they probably have not had a team that measures up to this one since then. Yeah, absolutely. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star, kind enough to join us Mondays here on the program. Zach, as always, thanks for the chat, and we'll catch up again very soon.
Absolutely. Thanks for having me, as always. All right. Zach with us on Mondays to help kickstart our IU coverage. Also, I want to note that Harrelson, Jalen Harrelson, will also be on campus November 30th uh, as well. So he's going to be back for a third time. Uh, November 30th, of course, is the date of the IU-North Carolina game. Uh, So uh, obviously uh, getting him back for that midweek game, a big one uh, for the Hoosiers when basketball season arrives. We'll head to a commercial break. When we come back, Chad Gilbert will join the show. High school football begins on Friday, and uh, we'll talk local sports with Chad, the AD at Charlestown High School. After this, on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back on this Monday program. Chad Gilbert, the athletic director at Charlestown and IHSAA executive board member, joins me on Mondays. We talk local sports. And so today, Chad, we got to start and spend a lot of time on high school football because scrimmages are over. Uh, week one games are set for Friday night. And Chad, everybody that I talk to that's excited about a game on Friday is making plans to attend the Charlestown-Silver Creek game, a big rivalry game to kick off the season. And I know a lot of excitement in Pirate Land this week that the season is here, the team is expected to be good, and what a way to start it off against rival and conference member Silver Creek. Matt, first of all, apologize for missing the show last week. Uh, got sidetracked, a couple of things didn't go my way up here. Uh, I do apologize, I missed being on the show, missed talking to you. Second thing, you're exactly right. You know, it is a great week. We had a great scrimmage against Floyd Central last week. And we start off all our home events this week, volleyball, tennis, golf, uh, boys and girls soccer across the board. We've got a spirit week this week just kind of for to kick off the week of events. So, you know, we're trying to get our culture right. We're trying to support our student athletes. We're trying to let our student athletes know that they just not only represent – themselves, but they're representing their school, their communities, their families. We want to put a a good effort, a good image, and a good, again, culture, because we want people to come to Charlestown High School and see something that we have to offer. We've got something very special to offer the kids, and we want them to be part of it. You talked about Friday's game against Silver Creek, Matt. You know, it's one that we have not played at home in three years. So we were on the road at Silver Creek, COVID year, uh, didn't have our field finished, we had to play at Silver Creek again. Then last year, Silver Creek. And guess what, Matt? We lost all three games. So if you don't think Coach Hawkins and the rest of the team, let's think about our juniors and seniors. If you don't think that they don't remember that or understand that how important this game is for Friday, you're crazy. Our guys are excited. They're ready to go out there. And they understand the magnitude of it. Because this game, you cannot win the conference if you do not win week one. We've got Silver Creek and Charlestown, or excuse me, Silver Creek and Brownstown is our first two games, and that will determine who the conference is. 
Chad Gilbert, my guest here on this Monday program. Chad, I want you to put your AD hat on for just a moment. Uh, in the high school football season, how important is a big game like your Friday Silver Creek-Charlestown rivalry? Or let's think ahead to a New Albany-Jeff or New Albany-Floyd Central. There are others as well as far as rivalry games go. How important is a night like that to your funding and ability to run a successful football season? And maybe it helps with other fall sports or winter sports or spring sports. But those big games where you know you're going to get the big crowd, you know the concession stand line is going to be long and you're going to make money there. How important are those nights in high school sports to make all this work? Man, extremely important because what people don't understand is that high school sports are based entirely on ticket revenue. So what that means is, is there's no seed money. The school corporation doesn't say, here, Jeffersonville, here's 10000 here, New Albany, here's 10000 here, Charlestown, here's 10000 make it last through the year. There's no seed money. It's based on all our fans. So all our fans in Southern Indiana, please go out and support your high school athletic teams because to run a football game, you know, us out here on Friday night, it's $700, not counting police. So, you know, we're, we're looking at about 900 to to $1,000 just before the ball is kicked off, $1,000 out the door. Now, we have a chance to make big money. I understand that, that we have to get people in the crowd, people in the stands. We are selling student tickets during lunch today, you know, all week. We are selling uh, tickets for adults at our fall event. We are actually sending people to Silver Creek to sell tickets during their lunches. So we're trying to get this thing big. Uh, and you can do the math on that. You've been to a, Char- or a Jeff New Albany game, a Charlestown Silver Creek. Our stands, you know, our stadium holds 5,000 plus. You know, I'd say we're about 5,500. Um, love to get 5,000 out there. You talk about $30,000 to start the year off. My goodness, Matt. You are, you are benefiting not only our football team, our school, but you're benefiting all our teams. You know, you're benefiting tennis, who has no source of revenue, golf, who has no source of revenue, cross country, who has no source of revenue. That is what the communities do. And I hope Silver Creek, I hope Charleston comes out big, big, big this Friday. You know, one of the biggest games ever at, uh, at Charlestown, just because I think it's great for two communities. And we call it, you know, the Battle of 403. We've got a big trophy that we go out there, and Charlestown definitely wants to win that trophy back. Chad Gilbert, my guest. Chad is the athletic director at Charlestown High School with me Mondays as we talk local sports. Uh, One other thing I wanted to bring up, you know, this is interesting, Chad. You you talk about the makeup of an athletic department and coaches and assistant coaches, and, of course, student-athletes are probably – priority number one, but you've got fans and parents and so many other things that go into all this. I've been kind of watching from afar. I mentioned this, I think, Thursday or Friday on the show. It's an Indiana and Southern Indiana-focused show, so I don't ever want to talk anything about Kentucky or other you know, schools. They, they get their own coverage elsewhere, but I find it very intriguing that Coach Cal and Coach Stoops had a little back and forth on social media, Cal calling Kentucky a basketball school, Stoops rebuttaling that they've had four postseason wins in a row and they play in the SEC. And then even a step further, you know, was listening to another program coming in this morning, and Mitch Barnhart, the AD at Kentucky, uh, has had some hiccups with both Cal 
and Stoops, but I think namely Cal when it came to NIL and how to get that legislation passed through the Kentucky government dealing with the governor and the state legislature. But just interesting to hear some of those behind-the-scenes conflicts that you wouldn't think would be public at the college level or at a school like Kentucky where uh, everything matters and the fan base is so big. But, you know, so many roles that an AD, whether it's the college or high school level play, I was just kind of interesting to see all that play out publicly. That's something that obviously, you know, as an AD, you, you work on your problems internally, you handle situations internally, but gosh, to see those things at Kentucky uh, make it out to social media, that world and, and elsewhere, I thought was very odd last week. Well, Matt, you know, anything like that should be taken care of in-house. You look at that situation, when it gets to social media, it turns into wildfire. Uh, what Cal said is not wrong. He's not He's not wrong with what he said, but the way he said it came out extremely wrong. I've not seen him do anything but support the football program, the football program not anything besides support the basketball program. I think they've got a great thing going there at Kentucky. To get something like that, someone had to stir the fire. We've all got people in our lives that will send you a screenshot. Did you see this? Did you see that? Did you see this? Some of them will be something on your own your own thing. You know, we all got friends who send emails or send screenshots of people at games at your event that try to they try to stir it up. And I'm sure there was some stirring up involved in it. But all that stuff needs to be handled in-house, under the table. I, the one who I thought came out worse than that, Matt, was Mitch, Mitch Barnhart. I thought that uh, the way he handled it was not the best way. I thought he should have said, you know, something along the lines of we got two of the best coaches in the land, two of the best programs in the land. Um, we, we like all our sports in Kentucky. We feel like they're in a upswing. Uh, we'll continue to move forward and compete for SEC and national championships and be done with it. Um, I don't think you can give any field, any fire. You get with that one. But in his defense, that stuff gets tiring. That stuff gets old. That stuff gets uh, a pain to deal with. So I see where he came up from, too. He wanted to have a chance to then a little bit and let his stuff out, and, and that's what he did. Chad Gilbert, my guest. Chad's the athletic director at Charlestown High School. Chad, we've talked about fall sports. It's a difficult time for you getting back in the swing, trying to confirm schedules, and it's just a busy time for athletic directors. Is there a season that's lighter or a season that's harder uh, than the others? You've got fall and winter and spring, all with lots of sports and all with lots of unique challenges in each of them, whether it be weather or different things that come up. But is there a tougher season to manage uh, as an AD at the high school level over another? Winter by, or, or excuse me, the fall by far, because you had the most sports going on, Matt. Also, you had the most kids getting involved. So you're not, you don't only have stuff coming in for fall sports. You've got stuff coming in for winter, coming in for spring. You've got limited contact. You've got bus schedules. You've got fundraising. There's just so much starting the year off. Once it gets going, you still got challenges, like you said, with winter, with grades, with transfers. There's lots of stuff on the plate. But by far the fall, man. And that's the one thing that ADs, I do want to touch on this real quick, is a new variable that's always been there, but I think is more to the forefront now than ever, is the safety of one our student athletes, and to our fans. You know, you see stuff go on, and I hope our fans understand. Let the kids in the field play and have fun. You know, it's not anything crazy. I saw a youth league coach shot and killed over the weekend. You know, a, a guy goes on stage and stabs somebody. You know, this is not the time for this. You know, I hope everybody in society just understands that, uh, you know, we, we've got to do better. And that our, 
playing in our games, you know, it's a privilege to watch your kids play. Enjoy the four years because it's going to go by so fast. Absolutely well said. The situation in Texas was the next thing on my list to bring up, uh, but just a sad scenario. And unfortunately, these days, whether it's high school or youth sports or travel sports, you hear just of some crazy things that are going on, and it's just uh, it's just saddening. And you talk about police and and other expenses on your end. Uh, you hear situations like that, and while I don't think any of us have had to deal with anything that crazy, it's 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 worth having them on hand. I mean, you just don't know. So uh, definitely a crazy time with some of that stuff. Chad Gilbert, my guest. Chad, uh, as we exit here, do you have a question I should ask? Your football coach, Coach Hawkins, tonight on our preview show. What's the most wings? One set down. One set most hot wings. I think it said he cut out. I think it had something to do with hot wings. What's the most he's had? We'll get that on the air tonight. Chad Gilbert always with me on Mondays. That'll wrap up this program. Don't forget tonight, 7 o'clock, our high school football preview. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. <laughs>